0: Everybody. welcome back to Holistic Finance. On today's episode, we have Kristen Blosser. Kristen Blosser is a, an insurance agent. She helps her clients with their auto, home insurance, umbrella, vacation rentals, commercial insurance. She's been in the industry for 14 years. Um, I actually met her back in 2009. Uh, so she's an insurance agent. She's also been on the claims side. And so she brings a true expertise uh, in terms of how to really manage your insurance, uh, personal insurance. She works for Sprague Israel Giles. And in today's conversation, she goes through a lot of misunderstandings that a lot of people have with their policies, what's covered, what's not covered, as well as how to design them. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Kristen Blosser. Well, Kristen, thank you again for being on the podcast today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: And so this is your second time on this podcast, correct?
1: That is correct. I'm glad you'll have me back.
0: (laughs) So we didn't, we didn't tick you off too much. You actually came back.
1: (laughs) Well, it's been a while, so I had to get over it for a little bit, but you know, we'll get everyone deserves second chances. (laughs)
0: Appreciate that. So, as I mentioned in the in the intro, right? So, Kristen, you've been in the industry now for about fourteen years, and you've you've been on mm-hmm. uh, everything from the the agent to your customers to even dealing with claims. And I thought it'd be mm-hmm. a I thought it'd be a good conversation to have because I know that when we are working with our clients, um, a right? Like there's people that, that we meet that the last time they looked at their personal insurance stuff was when they graduated college. <laughs> mm-hmm. <Right? laughs> and then B, there's just, there's a lot of misunderstandings of what they think might be covered, isn't covered or what they should have looked at. They didn't look at. So I thought we'd have a high level conversation around really just kind of the, the, maybe the misunderstandings or mistakes that People often look at when they're looking at their auto, home, umbrella, rental insurance that that type of policies. So, Kristen's got mm-hmm. the background to talk into all of that. So let's let's dive into the first question here. So when we're when we're talking when I'm talking to my clients and we're talking about what let's just do with home insurance here first. What are the most maybe misunderstood? or what are the questions you're typically getting from your clients around their home insurance?
1: Um, you know, with home insurance and all policies, you'll probably hear me say this um, multiple times. One of the main uh, misunderstandings is that you're locked into your, the coverage that you have or the deductibles that you have for the whole policy term and you can't change it until your renewal. Um, that's not the case. you can You can review your insurance at any time. There's sometimes, sometimes you may find that there's a new optional coverage. We as the agents or brokers or in the insurance industry, refer to these as endorsements. Um, these are additional optional coverages that broaden your your homeowners coverage. So um, we'll talk about some things that you may think are covered that are not um, without these optional coverages or endorsements. Um, On that note, um, another major, major one is that um, you can't switch insurance companies mid-policy term. You can definitely do that. You can switch your insurance at any time. Um, You do not have to wait for your renewals um, to come out or make the change at that point. Um, A really good time to actually switch insurance is if you're in the, the refinance process and right that's a pretty smooth transition go ahead
0: i was just say yeah right i i know that we did a refinance <laughs> personally and i'm sure you got the the letter from uh the mortgage company saying hey provide us some proof
1: <laughs> yep yeah and and, that, and and we handle all those um requests um all the time but uh, like i said the refi process that's a really great time to take a look at your insurance and see if it's lining up with your needs, or maybe if you can even save a few bucks. I mean, that's kind of what it can be all about. I mean, with most comprehensive coverage without sacrificing, um, you know, or the best cost without sacrificing coverage, I should say. Um, Another um, misunderstanding when it comes to homeowners specifically is the replacement cost versus the sale or the value price of the home. Um, As you know, right now, our market's pretty crazy here in Seattle, the east side, actually all over the United States. So when you look at your policy and you only see, let's say $600,000 in coverage for the replacement cost or the dwelling limit of your home, the dwelling limit being what it's gonna cost to rebuild your home, the structure itself. and then, but your house, you look on Redfin or Zillow, and you see that your house is worth 1.3 million. Well, insurance only covers the structure itself. It does not cover the extras that your sale price includes. Your sale price includes location, proximity to amenities, um, school districts, crime rates, um, neighborhoods, you know, the the neighborhood itself, the zip code it's in, um, And it also, yeah, the land. And so, and insurance, we're just looking at the structure. So those two figures are always going to be quite a bit different. Um, And uh, that usually shocks a lot of people, but that's the reason why, is we're only rebuilding the home where it's at. We're not, we don't factor in any of those other extras. Um, I mean, in Seattle, we have the walkability score or the bus or how close you can get to transit. Um, so those those are really the key misunderstandings um, or misconceptions about homeowners policies.
0: So let's jump into the endorsement okay. piece um, because I think mm-hmm. a lot this is a big big misunderstanding, and I bring it up in the conversations we have with with our clients. Um, right, specifically, let's talk about personal property. Right, I think a lot of people think right. you know they've got this personal property coverage in their home, and if something happens to their property, that they're automatically covered. Let's talk about specific items that may not be covered to what they think they may be covered for, such as jewelry.
1: Right, right. So that's correct. There's a lot of limitations. The policies will provide some sort of what we call a sublimit of coverage for jewelry or art and usually those limits are are around 2000 2500 sometimes a thousand you'd really have to look at your policy and talk to your agent but they they are covered under replacement cost and with jewelry we have a lot and art we have a lot of appreciation when it comes to those particular items so when it's purchased it, it may you know the replacement cost may be lower than what it's actually valued at um, at the time of that a loss may occur. So we individu- we will take those and what we call it is scheduling, or some people will call it an additional writer. Um, it's basically identifying these higher value items, listing them separately on your policy, and ensuring them for the, the agreed value. And agreed value means the value, of that item. I mean, we and we use an appraisal or we use some sort of bill of sale to confirm that value. Now, when those items are specifically listed on the policy and if a loss occurs, let's say you're traveling and a diamond falls out of your ring or your, your ring is lost, you cannot find it. Your policy will pay that value that is listed on the policy. And will not apply a deductible to that. It's the agreed value, you agree on it, the insurance company agrees on it, you have documentation to support it, they will write you a check for that agreed value of that item. Whereas if you don't have it listed, you're you're limited to that sub limit that I referred to previously. And like I will use an example that your policy only has a twenty five hundred dollar maximum for jewelry that's stolen, missing, lost. Um, but that would be, so you would only get a benefit of $2,500, but it would also be subject to your homeowner's deductible. So if you have a $10,000 ring, you're going to be out a thousand dollars and only get up to $2,500. If that make does that make sense? Or did I?
0: No, that, that you nailed it on the head there. Right. That, and that's the, that's the example I always bring up is, is wedding range, right? Like, Normally mm-hmm. the wedding ring is, is the highest, the higher end jewelry and the higher, I mm-hmm. guess the higher value item. And so what a lot of people don't realize is they might be cut. They might think they're covered under the home insurance, not understanding that a, there's a cap at what they'll get in this case, what your example was, was 2,500 bucks. And then on top of that, oh, by the way, you have a deductible, right? So if your deductible is a thousand, right. well, then you got to subtract that out. Or if your deductible is higher, you may not get anything. Like it doesn't even make sense to file right. a claim. Right. Mm -hmm. And to take that one step further. So you you mentioned scheduling. If I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, it covers like if you lose the ring.
1: Yep. Yeah. Scheduling. So to get, I don't want to get too insurance speak on you, but um, scheduling basically opens up the coverage for any sort of peril. So if you lose it, you cannot find it. Um, What they like to affectionately call it as mysterious disappearance it's um, <laughs> kind of a weird thing, but that's what they call it. Right. Um, or if, if your, if your ring, if, if your ring is sitting somewhere, or let's say you have a secondary home in California and your ring is at your house in California and there's an earthquake, you may not have earthquake coverage on your homeowner's policy itself, but if that ring is lost in that earthquake, you can still claim that. Um, because the, the scheduling, it opens up the peril. So it allows for those Additional coverages or additional things that could happen to your ring or to your valuables. So that's any clarification on that, or does that yeah? Help? I was going to
0: say maybe rule okay. of thumb, right? Because I I'm, I can sit here like you know I'm I'm a memorabilia dork, right? So like I've got all these these mm-hmm. these items that you know may or may not be valuable uh, to everyone to everyone depending on what I can sell it for, but. <laughs> I guess what I'm what I'm bringing up here is, I can just imagine someone listening to this and saying, "Oh crap, I need to like have 300 items scheduled on my home insurance policy." And what I would say to that is, high value items, depending on what you have, yeah, you should have a conversation with your your agent and make sure that you're you're covered for those to to the capability or or what you're wanting to right. Sentimental, like obviously, Mm -hmm. you can't replace this. That's the sentimental value of the item, but high value items, right? You want to take take a look at, and it's not something that you know you don't want to schedule your fifteen dollar item.
1: No, no, you definitely want to take a look, and because there is an additional premium or rate that is applied when you have these items specifically scheduled, so you really want to look at the cost benefit of, you know, like you said, a $15 item or even a hundred dollar item. I mean, in the, in the long run, is it, is it worth it to pay that rate? If you could have just saved that rate and replaced it if something happened. So yeah, you definitely want to have a conversation.
0: So sticking with the personal property, right. Um, when I was in, in the industry, we were, you know, there's even an app, I think, where you could go around and video, you know, your property in your home. Is that still advisable? Like, what should people be thinking about in terms of, if God forbid the worst happens and their house burns down to the ground, how do they show the insurance company what the hell they owned?
1: Well, when it comes to a personal property loss or a loss such as that, you know, let's just say the house burns down, um, the insurance company is going to hand you a form Then say, fill out the cost, let us know when you bought it or approximately when you bought it, um, and and then submit it to us. Now, if you have photos or video, that's great, but they're not going to ask for those. Um, Our recommendation is, yes, do the video and the photos for memory. So you can actually go, oh yeah, I did have that item in my house and I need to remember I need to look that one up because that was damaged. Um, but the insurance company is not going to require the video or photos. It's just more for the individual client to jog their memory and make sure they have a comprehensive list of the items that were damaged or lost, stolen. Um, and then, you know, the follow-up question that we always get is. How do you even find the values of some of these things? Right. Well, honestly, it it does have a, there is a lot of legwork and participation that um, is needed from the, from our clients. Um, And literally you will go and you can look online and say, okay, my, my um, KitchenAid mixer, that was $450. And you just get the real time replacement cost of those items and list them out Um, the more documentation you have, if you are able to find receipts, um, or some sort of credit card receipts or invoices, you know, there's a lot of stuff online. So a lot of our (laughs) places that we shop will have all that. Um, but really that's, that's kind of it. They're going to hand you a form and ask you for the dollar amount. Um, but, and it does, it does take a little bit more legwork from the client, um, but that's that's the way it goes. But, um, with the video, like I said, it's more for your memory versus submitting it to the adjuster.
0: Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Let's shift towards rental properties, right? I, I know I've got many clients that have, you know, vacation rentals, um, you know, maybe they're, they're utilizing a VRBO or Airbnb. Um, what, what are the differences in maybe policy structure or or actually let's start with this question what are some common uh, mistakes that you see when you're looking at those types of policies that people have not thought of or maybe their other agent didn't think of
1: um as far as clients themselves not thinking about it is when it's uh when it is that short-term rental airbnb vrbo type situation um where, you know, it may be a vacation home for the client themselves, but they do rent it out when they're not there. So they don't think to switch the insurance or mm-hmm. let their um agent know, "Hey, I rent this out occasionally, you know, for a couple weekends a year or whatever. Do I need to do anything?" And yes, the answer is yes. Um I know with some of the carriers that we partner with, the insurance companies we partner with, it is um one of those as I mentioned before, endorsements, it's um, so that the policy is rated for people other than yourself living in the home because, or staying in the home, because the last thing you want is something to go sideways while it's rented out. And the adjuster says, okay, well, what was going on, whatever. And you say, I had people renting it out as a short-term rental, and then they may not, they may not afford coverage at that point. Um, because they weren't aware of the exposure and the exposure, when we say exposure, um, <clears throat> the risk changes um, for the insurance company because it is a higher risk when you have people that you don't know staying in your home, renting it out because um, they could throw a party. They could, they could have, you know, you may have rules as to how many people can come into that home, but they don't always abide by them and things tend to get a little... More trashed, um, broken, um, so people are a little less um, careful when it's not their home. I should say, so it's definitely something that gets looked over um, quite a bit uh, because it's like, well, it's my house, and am still living there too. Um, people just don't think about that. Um, we, when it comes to long-term rental properties, and when I say long-term rental po- properties or landlord policies. Those policies are are for homes that are rented for six months or greater at a time. So that's when we would switch the policy form from a homeowner's to a rental property. And what that effectively does is it covers the structure, but you're going to remove that personal property or those contents, um, the contents coverage limit, because your items aren't in there. It's also going to rate the home for having renters or tenants in it, um, and there are some limitations and differences between a homeowner's and a rent a landlord policy, such as um, the extended replacement cost or the water sewer backup type limits, um, and you know stuff like that. Um, I don't want to get too in the weeds on that, but there are some differences. It doesn't. It doesn't just. It's not the same exact policy that you're gonna get. But um, but yeah, I think the biggest the biggest thing we hear is, oh, by the way, I've been renting my, my, my property. <laughs> <BTW>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I've got this great house in Chelan and I rent it out and it's, well, how long have you been doing that? Oh, for the last few years. So that, that's the biggest one is the short-term rentals because i and, and it's understandable, you know, they, they still stay in the home. So they don't feel like it's that, big of a change or an exposure. It's like, oh, what's one weekend here and there? It's a big deal when it comes to insurance. So you definitely want, um, you definitely want to talk to your agent or broker. A lot of insurance companies are now covering that. So, but you would need to talk to your specific agent um, or broker because I know even just four years ago, they weren't doing it. So it's a newer thing um, that's, being rolled out so they can change with the times and adjust. So
0: when it comes to the long-term rentals, you mentioned that, you know, those type of they're called landlord policies, right? Where you're just really covering the dwelling, not necessarily the personal property. A lot, a lot of these landlords, right. They might have, you know, the fridge in there, the, the oven in there, the, um, the wash and dryer in there. So is there no coverage for that piece at all?
1: Those are permanent considered permanently installed. And okay. so those wouldn't be, yeah. So since they are attached to permanently installed, those, those would be covered.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. That just popped in my yep. head. So. So-
1: yeah. Yeah. And I actually, I mentioned, um, water sewer backup, um, on the landlord policies that I, going back to the homeowners insurance, the common misconceptions, just because we just had a pretty significant, um, winter events here in Washington and followed by a lot of rain and a lot of snowmelt, mm-hmm. a lot, a huge, huge misconception um, on homeowners and policy homeowners policy coverages is that a water sewer backup is always covered. Um, meaning if your sewer line backs up and causes damage to the interior of your home, um, in Seattle, we have a lot of homes with basements. If your sump pump fails and it's backing water up into your basement, we saw a lot of that in the last couple of weeks. Um, that is an additional optional coverage or an endorsement that you need to apply in most um, insurance policies. It is, is it not automatically pump? included or covered.
0: Yeah. So if, let's mm-hmm. just say you have the coverage in there and the flooding occurs. The we're going to get technical here here for a second. <laughs> if flooding caused the backup, does the endorsement, the water sew up endorsement that you're speaking into is is it covered then? Or well, do you have, to have flood, flood insurance?
1: So flooding would so in insurance, flooding and backups are two different things. Right. So flooding is going to be surface water flowing into you. Let's say you have a, a below a basement that's below grade. Below grade, below the street, or below the the you know it's in the ground, Um, and water is flowing in through the window and into your basement. That is considered a flood, and that is not covered. But a lot of folks here have these sump pumps when they that um, pump water out of their um, of their basements or keep that um, when the when the surface water or the sewer lines are just Totally at capacity from rain and snow melt and all that, and it's try and its sole job is to keep your basement dry and cleared out from any water backing up into the home. And that piece, that piece fails, that would be that would be covered under water sewer backup. Gotcha. Does that make sense?
0: No, it does make yeah. sense. So and it, the reason I bring it up is well, there's a whole nother story to this. Um, so we have a client has a home, went on vacation, came back home and had like flood damage beyond belief. And they're trying to figure out where this flood came from. Come to find out mm-hmm. it wasn't a burst pipe or anything else like that. A natural spring was underneath their property and it it all of a sudden decided to come to the surface and it flooded their home. Oh, wow. And that natural oh, wow. spring, that would be considered, uh, and maybe you can add into this, they try to file a claim with their insurance company. The insurance company said, sorry, you don't have flood insurance. It's not covered. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're like, that would, so, so then they like reach out to the builder. Like, did we not know there was a natural spring underneath the property? Like it is, <laughs> it's not pretty. So.
2: Right.
1: Right. Yeah. That, that would fall under flood because it is, you know, it's, it's not, you know, it's not, I mean, you can't, that's, surface water technically.
0: Exactly. So
1: yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to touch on that because you know, we've we've had that a lot um in the last couple weeks, just like I said, with the rain and the snow melt. Um Seattle has a combined system, combined system meaning all the um the surface water runoff, the excess will be in the same line as the sewer um versus having its own separate system like they do in bellevue um so all that runoff just pushes the sewer system at capacity so there's a lot of sewer backups and a lot of water backups in in the city of seattle just because of the way their infrastructure is designed so always recommend that always check with your your insurance your agent so
0: yeah and the last piece about yeah. home insurance that will, I think, dovetail into a, a different conversation is the liability coverage, right? Mm-hmm. So speaking to right. a little bit about, I think every once in a while I get the question of, you know, the what is the liability coverage on my home insurance policy?
1: Mm-hmm. So liability coverage, I mean, basically that's going to cover um, any sort of action you may do. I don't want to say... Any sort of action, but let's say my best example of this is your your kid or you or you play softball or baseball or something. You're swinging a baseball bat. Somebody walks up behind you, and you accidentally hit them. That your homeowners' cover, homeowners' liability will cover that. Um, they'll provide defense, and if you're found liable for the damages to that person, it will provide coverage or payment um to that person for their medical treatment, their treatment and their injuries um, for the injuries they sustain. Um, I've also seen homeowners coverage cover people out in the park. A dog got loose and ran over into somebody who was riding a bike. Um, the person fell over and um, that person who fell over happened to be a surgeon. Um, so you can imagine the medical bills, um, associated with a surgeon who injured their hand, um, just falling off a bike in a park. Um, but the homeowner's liability for those people paid for that, the injuries and treatment for the actions of the resulting actions of what their dog did while they were in a park. Um, also Big style of home here is the the townhomes with the adjacent walls. If you start a fire or if a fire occurs in your your townhome and it spreads to the adjacent townhomes, your liability will cover, will provide coverage for the damages you uh, sustained by your neighbors or the adjacent units. Same with condos. Um, You damage your common areas or your neighbor's unit that's where your liability comes in. It just, it protects you from those kind of things. Um, I tried to give a, a little bit of a wide array of examples there. So yeah, a, I'm not sure if that's any questions.
0: No, I, I just okay. have, I'll add a story to it. So this is going to make it sound like you should never become one of my clients because I have all these bad stories, but that's
1: not,
0: <laughs> <laughs> mostly stories happen actually pre, Same with mine. <laughs> pre uh, people coming to, to become my client. But long story short, uh, the gentleman had a deck and his son had a party and the party ended up on the deck. So many people came on the deck. The deck actually fell to the ground, obviously caused a bunch of damage mm-hmm. to the, the party and the, and the people at the party and the home, homeowner's insurance liability piece covered that.
1: Right. It covered the injuries sustained to the people yep. at the party. Correct.
0: Yep. Correct. Yep.
1: yep. Okay. Okay. So and then there's no deductible for that. That's another misconception. Going back to the very beginning. There's no deductible for that. Your homeowner's deductible does not apply for liability claims.
0: Right. So, yep. you know, sticking with this liability coverage. So, let's let's transition to auto insurance, right? Um mm-hmm. and, and let's just keep this kind of simple, right? So, obviously the auto insurance, you've got two reasons really to have it. You've got covering the other party, if God forbid you were in in an at fault accident and and replace, and also replacing your car or, you know, uh, covering the damage to your car as well as Mm -hmm. the other car. Right. So there's, there's medical damage and and all that kind of fun stuff. So I think a lot of people, you know, you've had a little bit of experience with, you know, how the bad claims go down. How how does this really, how did the, how does the bad auto insurance claim really go down?
1: Okay, so first and foremost, there's never, there's no such thing as a good claim, whether it's homeowners or auto. It's, it's never a fun experience whatsoever. Um, but you can control the, the efficiency of the claim and the flow of the claim. So... It's all about communicating with the adjuster. So when you get in these accidents, you need to be available and responsive to help move the claim forward, because that's what really can make a claim go sideways is a lack of response or I don't, I don't know if I should talk to the adjuster right now or um, those kind of things. Um, that's what really sidelines the claims. Um, adjusters cannot... Keep moving forward, claims forward. Without your participation, um, they cannot offer certain um, settlements without documentation. Let's say medical bills, or let's let's use a total loss for example. Those are the really tough ones because you know your car is completely totaled. You don't have anything else to drive, and you're trying to settle with the insurance company, especially the insurance company of the at fault party or the other party. And every, you know, you're automatically feeling like it's their job to not pay, to pay me as little as possible. So what you need to do to facilitate this adjuster, getting the value that you're looking for, or that you think is fair, is doing a little legwork, kind of like we did with the personal property coverage in the homeowner's claims. You've got to bring forth documentation and say, hey, I, I see these vehicles, all around my same year make model. And it looks like they cost or the replacement for those is $15,000. And you're just offering me seven. Well, you need to give the adjuster something to go back and revisit their, their offers to you or their settlement offers. Um, So that's, yeah, that's, that's kind of what can make a claim bad, (laughs) per se is just, just the lack of communication. And if you're not, you know, if you're not hearing from the adjuster um, in, a, in an appropriate time frame, then feel free to call them and, and ask them like, or try and find a backup or something because somebody there can help you. Also, I mean, I know I can speak for our firm personally, um, that we have an in-house claims advocate and that's her sole job in our office is to, Make sure claims are moving forward, and she acts as an advocate for you when claims get tough, or if you're not understanding something, or if there's a breakdown of communication. Um, it's a really nice tool to have um, in our back pocket. Um, but well, that's aside, a value. Um,
0: that's an, a value that you and your team provide your your clients, right? And that and that's a big. <laughs> right? Like I'm not saying that the internet insurance companies are bad companies. What I am saying is, is you're dealing with just the internet, right? So in the event that an event occurs, right? You normally want to be taken care of and talk to people, uh, that, that are there to take care of you and and having a team like yourself is hugely value from that standpoint.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, um, there are a lot of um insurance companies, like you said, the internet ones or you know, what we call is captive. They captive meaning the your agent works for your for the insurance company. So that's gonna include your state farms, farmers, um, and let's see here, all state. Um those are a few. Um, when you re- when you call and say, Hey, I got in a cl- I got in an accident. It's not that big. I'm not sure if I want to report it. Some of those providers have an obligation to turn around and file the claim, even though you may not pursue it. Um, and that follows you um, for your renewals. It will follow you if you try to move to another insurance company. Um, and it, they they do impact your rates um, moving forward. So going back to our team, the value that we have is we'll round table that with you. And we don't always, we, you know, there's times where we're like, I don't think you should file this claim. It's not, it's, it's barely over your deductible. It doesn't make sense. Let's hold off. You know, we have those conversations with people and I don't know if a lot of agents have that option. They, they may. Um, But it's, it's really nice to just be able to Have that conversation and have, you know, us backing you up or, you know, and if you do end up filing the claim, facilitating the claim and making sure it can run as smoothly as possible. But like I said, when it comes to quote unquote bad claims, it's literally all about communication with the adjuster and continuing That dialogue and it can be frustrating because sometimes you come to an impasse, um, but you just got to keep pushing. They, when you come to an impasse, a lot of times, like I said before, they don't have the documentation to support increasing their offer to you. So you've got to bring some sort of documentation on those.
0: Yeah. And to take that one step further. Right. So when we're working with our clients and we're, t- and we're talking about these liability claims, right. Lawsuits, mm-hmm. what, whatever can come from that. Right. That's a, it's a protection of the asset, your assets, but it's also a protection of your income. Right. Because in the state of Washington, mm-hmm. if you're sued, they can actually come after your income. Like we have a client that is in their sixties that's been paying a lawsuit off for the last 20 years. And right. so like, again, Our, our philosophy is you got to protect from the worst threats first. And I don't Mm -hmm. know about you, but most of our income, our income, no matter what, even in retirement is our greatest financial resource. Like if your income goes away, tell me how life looks or if your income gets cut by 20%, tell me how that affects all the other stuff that you're wanting to do. And so Mm -hmm. having the proper coverage. Having the proper team behind you and protecting that income fully is vastly important. And so I think a lot of people, when they look at, excuse me, when they look at auto and home insurance, it can be viewed as this just like, well, I got to get it. Let's just get the cheapest thing out there with the, with the minimums that I would need. Right. And Mm -hmm. there's pieces to that that maybe come into play, but the bigger picture is, is in that lawsuit aspect. And yes, the chances of you getting sued are not high. However, if there's even a 1% chance of that occurring, and you lose everything you've been building and working your tail off for, tell me how that, tell me, is that really not worth protecting?
1: Exactly, exactly. And I, I think we're segueing into what, why an umbrella policy is so important. Um, it's, a, if you think about it, a lot of these umbrella policies for a million dollars in X additional liability coverage, um, and when I say additional liability coverage, I mean just above and beyond what your homeowners or your auto policy may provide. Um, it's, it's maybe 20 bucks a month and it's worth it to, I mean, protecting your assets alone and not having to take another mortgage out on your home. You know, it, if, if something may go awry and with the, co- with the cost of medical bills and treatments and and the litigious nature of a lot of folks out there, unfortunately, it seems pretty easy to to max out your liability limits either on your homeowners or on your, or on your auto policy pretty quickly um, these days. And to your point, I always let people know it, it not only covers your tangible assets, but it's going to be your current future income, retirement, investment, savings, Um that's all exposed. It's all on the table and you have a real life walking example of it. It's, um, it's, yeah, I, I think it's one of the smartest things you should have. And it's just, you know, you, you're going to, you may not think it's worth it while, when you're not using it, but when it, if something happens, you're going to be so glad you have it.
0: Yeah. The, the story that we, we always tell, right. Uh, is, you know, we, we, we have people picturing a, 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 an automobile accident, right. And you, you hit a party and there's, there's four people in the car and the coverage that you have in your auto insurance policy covers a maximum of $300,000 of liability coverage. Mm-hmm. So you've got four people in the car. If each one of them has a hundred thousand dollars of medical damage, which I don't know, that's like a broken pinky nowadays, right? So if they each broke mm-hmm. their pinky, right? (laughs) The first three people are covered by your auto insurance policy. The fourth one's getting your phone number and possibly a lawsuit coming your way. And then to take that, and then to take it one step further, let's just say the first person actually is a surgeon as well. And that broken pinky, Mm -hmm. like you brought up the surgeon earlier, the broken pinky doesn't allow him or her to perform surgery. Do you think that he might, or she might sue you for loss of income?
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: The answer to that question, like no one's ever told me, no, we live in America, right? Like, yeah, he or she might sue me. So not only do you have the lawsuit for the broken pinky, you have the lawsuit of all the income that that person now is going to lose. So this is where umbrella policies come into play, which goes above and beyond your current liability limits. And most people have heard of an umbrella policy, Kristen, but no one really knows what it is, or if they, Mm -hmm. if they even have one, they don't know what it does. And this is is what it's doing, right? It's providing you that extra coverage. So the question I've got for you is this. um, When it comes to how much umbrella policy someone can get, how does an insurance company underwrite that?
1: So how we look at it and what I usually tell folks is, You know, it's really what your net worth is. I mean, we can see your tangible assets. We know you've got a house. We know you've got a couple rental properties, but we don't know what's in your accounts. We don't see that, and so we tell folks to take a take a look at all that and really really look into it and try and analyze it, or talk to your financial advisor, such as yourself, um, and really. See what your total net worth is, because that's what that's all on the table. Everything combined is on the table when if if a loss occurs, and you know, working in claims, you'll see a accident that maybe was a low speed accident that I don't know, maybe three thousand dollars in damage. The attorney's demand or their request for payment, the demand is what they want. To settle the claim for their initial demands are always upwards of 150 200 right off the top not saying they get that automatically but if that's what they're asking for for a smaller accident they're gunning for the for whatever they can get in these bigger ones um but so and when they find out let's say they find out you have i mean everybody in like i'm using the C- seattle area east side you know as as my examples, a lot of these houses are worth quite a bit of money these days. (laughs) You know, a million dollars is not, is, is pretty common for a house, you know, what a house is worth in these, in this area. Um, It might even be a little low these days, but when they find out you have a million dollar plus value of a home, they're going to say, oh, that's a good asset. There's money there. And so that's that's why you really want to look at your total net worth. And like I said, as an insurance broker, we're not a certified financial advisor. Um, We can only see those tangible assets. And so you, that's why it's important to hook up with a financial advisor and really understand your wealth on those kind of things.
0: Yeah. And going back to, you know, the cost of these umbrella policies, like you just mentioned, like 20 bucks a month for like a million dollar coverage, I know when I'm Mm -hmm. giving that example, most people are like, Oh, that's it. Like when most people think of a million dollars of coverage, they're thinking hundreds of dollars a month. Right. So it's right. Exactly. Very very inexpensive policy for quite a bit of coverage. So, Mm -hmm. well, yeah, we've
1: pretty nominal.
0: Yeah. So we've, we've gone kind of in the weeds in certain areas and and not so much in other areas. I, I think this has been extremely valuable for, uh, for our listeners from the standpoint of really looking at this in combination with what they're doing with their finances and understanding what it is they're protected, and maybe not protected for. If any of them wanted to reach out to you and have a further conversation with you, um, what's the best way to reach you?
1: Um, The best way to reach me is actually um, via phone um, or via email. I think you're, are you including that towards the end or do you want me to say it now?
0: Now we'll put the email and the phone number in the show notes. Um, That way, if anyone (laughs) wants to reach out to you and have a conversation with you about that, they can do that. Um, Kristen, I so appreciate your time and your knowledge and uh, your help with this. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. It's always
0: a good time. All right. Thanks, Kristen. Okay.
2: Bye. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. This material is intended for general public use. By providing this content, Park Avenue Securities LLC is not undertaking to provide investment advice or a recommendation for any specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact a financial representative for guidance and information that is specific to your individual situation. Ryan and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ333 North Indian Hill Boulevard, Claremont, California, 91711. Telephone 909-399-1100. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly-owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Ryan Burklow, AR Insurance License Number One Five Three One Nine Four One Two, CA Insurance License Number Zero K Two Four Nine Two Four. Alexander Collins, AR Insurance License Number Seven Two Six Four Six Nine Nine, CA Insurance License number zero h two four eight zero six pinpoint number twenty twenty two one three two nine nine one expiration january twenty twenty four